بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم we begin now the discussion on riyad al-salihin we are still under the chapter of uh, truthfulness as-sidq and uh, the author rahimahullah uh, cited the following hadith hadith number 56 an abi sufyan sakhr ibn harb radiyallahu anhu fi hadithihi at-tawil في قصة هرقل قال هرقل فماذا يأمركم يعني النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أبو سفيان قلت يقول عبد الله وحده ولا تشركوا به شيئا واتركوا ما يقول آباؤكم ويأمرنا بالصلاة والصدق والعفاف والصلة متفق عليه أبو سفيان reported in the course of his detailed narration about Heraclius the great of Byzantine the Romans when uh, when the latter questioned him about the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that he, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, told us, quote, worship Allah alone and don't associate a thing with him and give all that your ancestors said. He also commands us to perform Salah, to speak the truth, to observe modesty, and to strengthen the ties of kinship. The point from this hadith is to speak the truth. This is the point in relevance to the title of the subject. The title of the subject is As-Sidq, Truthfulness. The author, Rahimahullah, related this lengthy, this part of a detailed narration or lengthy hadith uh, from uh, Abu Sufyan, Sakhr bin Harb, may Allah be pleased with him, and then he was a mushrik then. He was a mushrik. Uh, he accepted Islam later, uh, at a later stage, uh, between uh, the time of the Hudaybiyah Treaty and the conquest of Mecca. And the treaty took place uh, in the sixth year after the Hijrah, after the migration of the Prophet ﷺ, and the opening of Mecca took place in the eighth year after Hijra. So this was in between these two events. Abu Sufyan in the story, he came with uh, a group from Quraysh, the tribe of Quraysh, uh, in a trade, and, and visited uh, uh, the, uh, the Heracle, uh, Heraclius in the greater Syria area, and he was the king of the Christians uh, during that time. And he, this king of the Christians, uh, was a man who read in the Torah and in the Injil, the Gospel, and he knew the old writings uh, of the Scriptures. And he was also an intelligent king. He was an intelligent king. So when he heard of Abi Sufyan, uh, and uh, Mushrik is a polytheist, yes, uh, and also disbeliever, therefore, so when he heard of Abu Sufyan and those who came with him from the Arabia, from the uh, place where the Prophet ﷺ came, he invited them. He, this king of the Christians, invited them and began to ask them questions. Began to ask them questions concerning the Prophet ﷺ his lineage, uh, who are his companions, 
and he asked about their respect of him and uh, he asked about his fulfillment of promises and whenever he asked about something and he was told he knew that this is from the descriptions he got from Abu Sufyan he knew that this man meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the prophet <coughs> told or mentioned in the previous books however we seek refuge in Allah from this he sought to cling to his kingdom and therefore he did not submit and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is all wise Allah knows best as to why and what is the hikmah the wisdom behind this, this person the king of the Christians in the greater Syria area why he didn't accept Islam while he knew that the name of the Prophet was mentioned in his books and from the things he asked Abu Sufyan concerning the qualities of the Prophet Muhammad is that he the Prophet commanded them to worship none except Allah and ascribe no partners to him in worship uh, not to offer worship to a king nor a messenger trees or uh, stones uh, sun uh, or moon and, and so forth because the worship is and must be for Allah alone and that this is what the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam brought it is the same message of all the messengers they brought this kind of Tawheed, this Tawheed, singling Allah alone in worship. As Allah stated in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, uh, verse 25, And we did not send any messenger before you, O Muhammad, وسلم, but we inspired him, saying, La ilaha illa ana Man has the right to be worshipped except me So worship me alone And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> Mentioned in this respect as well In Surah Al-Nahl Chapter 16 verse 36 And verily we have sent among every ummah, every community, every nation, a messenger proclaiming worship Allah alone and avoid ta'ut, all false deities. This is the message of all the messengers. So the Prophet ﷺ brought what the prophets brought before him from having the worship directed only to Allah alone. And from the things he, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, told them and which Abu Sufyan related to this king of the Christians is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, to leave and abandon ma kana alayhi aba'ukum and give up all that your ancestors said you see how the truth is manifested here uh, all of the things that your ancestors cling to from the worship of idols 
the Prophet ﷺ commanded that they should give it, give it up all. However, regarding the good characters or moralities uh, of their ancestors, uh, he didn't command them to abandon. He didn't command them to give them up. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated uh, in Surah Al-A'raf, وَإِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً Chapter 7, verse 28 وَإِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً قَالُوا وَجَدْنَا عَلَيْهَا آبَاءَنَا وَاللَّهُ أَمَرَنَا بِهَا So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded by saying, belying them, قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَأْمُرُوا بِالْفَحْشَةً And when they commit an evil deed, uh, they say, we found our fathers doing it. And Allah has commanded us of it. Say, nay, Allah never commands of evil deal. Say of Allah what you know not. So, therefore, the Messenger ﷺ commanded his nation to uh, abandon and give up uh, the shirk that they uh, used to commit. What else he did also command them? Abu Sufyan said to the king, وَكَانَ يَأْمُرُنَا بِالصَّلَاةِ And he commanded us to perform the salah. And the salah is the sila, the connection between the slave and his rabb, his lord. And it is the most asserted of the pillars of Islam uh, after the shahadatain, after the shahadatain, the testimonies of faith. And this is this act of worship, the salah, is the one which distinguishes the believer from the disbeliever. So it is the covenant between us and between us and between between us and the mushriks or and the kafirs and the disbelievers. As the Prophet said in the hadith reported by At Tirmidhi and he said it is and an Anasai and others and At Tirmidhi said it is Hasanun Sahih good and authentic hadith and also it is authenticated by Al-Hakim and Al-Dhahabi and also Al-Shaykh Al-Albani said and it is as they have said the hadith is Al-Ahdu Al-Ladhi Baynana Wa Baynahum Al-Salah Faman Tarakaha Faqad Kafar the covenant between us meaning the believers and them meaning the kafirs is Al-Salah is Al-Salah is the prayer so whoever abandons it, then he kafar, he commits kufr, or uh, he is a disbeliever. Meaning he commits a kufr that takes him out from the fold of Islam. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, the covenant between us and them. And this is a, a clear, a clear uh, distinction and limit between the believer and uh, uh, between the believer and the kafir. Uh, and as to the saying of some of the scholars, may Allah be, may Allah's mercy be upon them, that what is intended in this hadith is the lesser kufr, like in in a similar narration, when the Prophet ﷺ said, إِثْنَتَانِ فِي النَّاسِ هُمَا بِهِمْ كُفُرْ Two things are found uh, amongst men which are uh, tantamount to unbelief, to kufr, slandering one's lineage and lamentation of the dead. Uh, 
So, uh, the scholars who went to the opinion that abandonment of the salah is not kufr, is not kufr, is not disbelief that takes out a person out of the fold of Islam, cited this hadith, while we know that the slandering of one's lineage and lamentation of the dead does not take the person out of the fold of Islam, yet the Prophet ﷺ said it is kufr, and therefore they concluded, since this constitutes the lesser kufr, so it applies also to the hadith about the covenant between us and them, that the one who abandons the salah commits kufr, so they concluded that therefore this means the lesser kufr, which does not take the person of, out of Islam. In response to this, our Shaykh Rahimahullah said, whoever contemplates this hadith of At-Tirmidhi, the covenant between us and them being the Salah, then he comes to know that the interpretation that this hadith uh, is directed to, be, to mean the lesser kufr is wrong, and that the correct opinion and that the kufr is the major kufr, is the major kufr which takes the person out of the fold of Islam because the divider between two things uh, between iman and kufr uh, must distinguish these two things and otherwise it would not be a, 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 a divider a, a clear divider uh, like for example this specified uh, dividers between lands a land for that belongs to Zayd and a land that belongs to Amr. So these boundaries and limits are clear uh, distinctions, stand as clear distinction, uh, so that no piece of land uh, from one side is uh, considered to be the other side's property. And so, the similarly, the Salah is a decisive between a decisive. Uh, barrier or uh, partitioner or a separator between uh, those uh, who are performing it and those who don't so and therefore it is uh, this Allah is a covenant between kufr and iman between disbelief and iman and faith and so from this, from all the actions of worship, it is the action that takes the person out uh, of Islam, meaning if we talk about the articles or the pillars of Islam, uh, from the siyam, for example, fasting, if someone abandons fasting in Ramadan and uh, starts to eat and drink uh, during the day and is careless, we don't say that he is a kafir, but if he abandons the prayer, we say he is a kafir, is a disbeliever. But when he abandons the zakah and does not fulfill the due right upon him concerning the zakah, then we don't say that he is a kafir. And also, if he uh, is able to perform hajj, uh, but he did not perform the hajj, we don't say that he is a kafir, but when he leaves the salah or abandons the salah, we say he is a kafir. This is in line with the uh, report from Abdullah bin Shaqiq, rahimahullah, and he was from the successors 
from the tabi'een and he is he is known he said كان أصحاب محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يرون شيئا من الأعمال تركه كفر غير الصلاة the companions of the prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم didn't see that any of the actions that uh, other than the salah would take the person out of the fold of Islam so this is therefore the salah which the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم commanded the believers to do if the person abandons it it is as if therefore he has abandoned the tawheed then he becomes a kafir, a mushrik and we seek refuge in Allah from this and to this effect the hadith of Jabir which is reported by Sahih Muslim from the Prophet ﷺ when he said بَيْنَ الرَّجُلِ وَبَيْنَ الشِّرْكِ وَالْكُفْرِ تَرْكُ الصَّلَاةِ the thing between a person and shirk and falling in shirk and kufr is the abandonment of salah and what else did the Prophet ﷺ command the companions as Abu Sufyan was telling this king of the Christians and this is the point of evidence regarding the subject and that he used to command us he also commands us to perform salah and to speak the truth to speak the truth this is the point of evidence as the Prophet ﷺ commanded the ummah to speak the truth and this is like the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, the meaning is like the saying of Allah in Surah At-Tawbah, chapter 9, verse 119. Qala Allah Ta'ala, O who you believe, be afraid of Allah and be with those who are true in words and deeds. O you who believe, be afraid of Allah. And be with those who are true in words and in deeds. And uh, truthfulness is a meritorious uh, uh, nobility and, and uh, quality and character. And it's divided into two types. Two types. Uh, truthfulness with Allah and truthfulness with the creation. And both are from the meritorious. Uh, qualities and in opposition to that is the kathib, the lying and it is telling that which is in contrast to the uh, to the realities in opposition to what is actual and it is a blameworthy character a blameworthy quality rather and it is from the qualities of the hypocrites as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said in the authentic hadith, Ayatul Munafiqi Thalath, the sign uh, of the hypocrite is uh, three, and from that he mentioned, if he speaks, he lies. Ida haddatha kadab. And some people we seek refuge in Allah are afflicted with, with this kind of disease. They would not feel comfortable and their chest would not open except um, except when they, uh, unless they lie, unless they lie, uh, they they always lie. If he tells you something, uh, you find out that he lies. If he sits in a circle with people, he uh, starts inventing 
tales and stories in order to make people laugh. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ warned in the hadith, woe to the person who uh, speaks uh, and uh, uh, lies in order to make people uh, laugh. Woe to him, woe to him, woe to him. He repeated it three times. And we seek refuge in Allah from this. The second thing which he told the king as to what the Prophet ﷺ commanded them is Al-Ifaf and to observe modesty Al-Afaf rather to observe modesty and this this issue this Afaf is uh, uh, observing modesty uh, is of two types is of two types one is to observe it regarding uh, one's own um, lustful uh, desires and the other is uh, regarding the uh, lust of one's uh, belly as to the first type is to worship uh, uh, is to observe it so as the person preserves himself from falling in that which is unlawful, from fornications, adulteries, and the means that lead to that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 32. and come not near to the unlawful sexual intercourse. Verily it is fahisha. It's anything that transgresses its limits, a great sin, in an evil way. And <coughs> Allah obligated that the punishment on the, on, on the uh, adulterer uh, is, if he is unmarried, is to be lashed hundred lashes, and then expelled from his land, from his hometown, uh, one for one year uh, if he was not married before but if he was married and uh, he uh, had legal sexual uh, relations with his wife but then committed adultery after that then he is to be stoned in punishment stoned with the stones, uh, stone by stones, until he dies. And this is a deterrence, uh, lest people fall into this kind of evil, because it corrupts the character, it corrupts the religion, and also it corrupts lineages. And also it leads to uh, great diseases, uh, whose effects appeared or is, are manifested clearly in our times because of the due to the uh, widespread uh, indulgement in these kinds of uh, evil actions uh, of adultery and fornications and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade all that which leads to uh, unlawful sexual 
relations. Uh, so that's why Allah forbade the woman to go out displaying her beauty. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade tabarruj in Surah Al-Ahzab 33 verse 33. And stay in your houses and don't display yourselves like that of the times of ignorance. So, the best place for the woman is to stay at home and that she does not leave the home except when there is a need or a necessity to do that. And then in that case, she goes as the Prophet ﷺ commanded her to be uh, to go out without display of beauty and without having uh, perfume on her. And so also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the woman to put on the hijab if she goes out uh, so that she is shielded from men who are not her mahrams. And the legal hijab is for the woman to cover all that which constitutes uh, means for falling into unlawful uh, relations and attractions and the most important of that all is the face because the face must the face must be covered from the unrelated uh, men non-mahram men more than the uh, more than you know, what's obligated from covering the head and the arms and the feet. And there is no weight for the person who says, for the one who says that it is permissible to uh, have the face uncovered, because this statement is contradictory. How could it be that a woman is allowed to have her face uncovered while according to this opinion held by some that she is obligated to cover her feet which is greater in fitna uh, and which is greater in terms of being a means for unlawful relations of sexual relations that may lead to is the definitely the uncovering of the face it is not the uncovering of the feet every sound person who understands what he says would say that the one which is closer to the uh, to the zina fornication or adultery or fitna is for the woman to uncover her face and from that also that she should not go out if she goes out she should not go out wearing perfume because this, in this way, she will be putting on herself a means for fitna, herself being fitna for others, and also uh, she herself falls into the fitna, uh, walking the streets and going to the uh, markets wearing these attractive kinds of perfumes. We seek refuge in Allah from this.
and no person should allow his or enable his uh, family, the woman of his family, whether the wife or the daughter uh, or the sister or the mother, uh, uh, to go out in, in these fashions, but rather he should uh, check them and uh, not enable them to go under such situations, except when they go out under the legal way of uh, going out the home in the manner that is uh, legally protective for them. As to the second type of uh, preservation of modesty is related to the desire of one's own uh, belly, meaning, meaning to preserve himself from asking people to preserve himself from asking people to fulfill in order to fulfill his uh, these kinds of desires uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-Baqarah 273 you may know them by their mark they don't beg of people at all or let's begin with this in the front from the beginning uh, charity is for the poor who in Allah's cause are restricted from travel and cannot move about in the land for trade or work the one who knows them not thinks that they are rich because of their modesty you may know them by their mark they don't beg of people at all because asking and begging people is a humiliation uh, and a person's hand is the lower one and the one who gives has the upper hand so it is not permissible to ask uh, people except that which is in inevitable like for example if someone is in need or uh, under a certain uh, situation of necessity or close to necessity then in this case there is no harm for him to ask otherwise without this then under situations other than that then it is forbidden to ask and there are narrations from the Prophet ﷺ warning from this even to the extent that the Prophet ﷺ uh, told that the person who would come on the day of resurrection having uh, no piece of flesh on his face the, the, uh, the, the bones would appear in front of people in front of people and this great witnessed uh, day the day of resurrection this is because of him asking people and begging them then we know that the companions عنهم, gave the allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ that they should not ask people for anything even to the extent that if uh, the whip of one of them would fall from his mount, he wouldn't say to others, give me the whip, but rather will come down and take it by himself. And the person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored with richness and modesty, uh, does, would not really know the meaning and the effect of asking except that it is a humiliation except that it is a humiliation in front of the created how could you then extend your hand to a created and tell him 
give me and like you are like him and the prophet said وَإِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهِ And if you ask, then ask Allah. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ And if you seek help, seek it from Allah. Then the fifth thing which Abu Sufyan told this king of the Christians about what the Prophet ﷺ told the Ummah and commanded the Ummah is the Sila. The Sila uh, is the kinship. Keeping ties of kinship relatives, uh, close ones, and the greatest in this regard and relation are the parents. The parents. Keeping ties with them is righteousness and also uh, the other, the, the, uh, keeping, keeping relations with them is, is not only keeping ties but also it is uh, from piety and righteousness. And the, the relatives, uh, each one of them has a right for uh, the ties uh, in as much as their relation with the person is. So your brother's relation to you is closer than your uncle's relation to you. And uh, your uncle's is stronger than the uncle of your father in terms of detail of the ties and relationship and so therefore take it from uh, these angles and the the uh, uh, keeping of the ties and the command to do that came in the Quran and in the Sunnah in a way which is unrestricted unrestricted and we have learned from the uh, foundations uh, of fiqh that everything that came in the Quran and the Sunnah, unrestricted in an unrestricted matter, no limit, then, you know, the ruling is to refer it to the urf, to the tradition, to the tradition. So what came in the tradition that uh, constitutes a type of ties, then it is a tie. Uh, uh, then, uh, and this differs with, you know, uh, with people and situations and times and places, so, for example, if uh, your relative is uh, sufficed and doesn't need you and he is healthy uh, and that you know that he doesn't need anything, then in your ties with him now, maybe, for example, a month or two or a month and a half and so forth, in, as, uh, in the way which is uh, traditionally known. And when the more the closer the person to you is, then this requires a uh, more uh, keeping of the relation and of the ties, like somebody like your father, your mother, your brother, your uncle. Also, now if he is also poor, then he also requires a stronger uh, ties with him, or if he becomes ill and so forth. So, what is important here is that the relation and the ties, as defined as came rather in the Quran came in an unrestricted way therefore the reference would be in terms of uh, the relations and how to keep them uh, in accordance it will be in accordance with the urf the what is commonly known and this differs uh, you know with uh, people situations how close is the person to you the situation of the person the time the place 
uh, and what constitutes to be a tie from that which does not constitute to be a tie or severing of ties. All of this is known, commonly known in one's own tradition. And there are many narrations uh, the, uh, of texts concerning the merits of keeping the ties and the warning concerning severity. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those who say and stand by the truth, live on that and die on that, and also from those who keep the ties and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remind us in cases of negligence and or in cases of laziness, remind us and keep us aware regarding these matters and make us from those who live to that in the way that pleases him subhanahu wa ta'ala وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم This constitutes the discussion on this hadith, hadith 56 of Riyadh al-Salihin.